all about making friends in your 30s and along the way we talk a little bit about what we're reading what we're listening to and what we're watching i am a melbourne-based podcast producer sasha 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 kelly i have two names i don't know why i did that and i'm joined as always by my lovely co-host and dear friend laurel henning who is a sydney-based journalist laurel welcome to three-wheeling. I don't know why I'm welcoming you to your own podcast. I love that you um, are. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, podcasting is an auditory medium, but if you could see me right now, you would see me busy pinning two bits of linen fabric together because Laurel has, we've scheduled this in what has turned out to be the middle of a very busy sewing session for me. And so... I can't possibly lose any time on the sewing machine, so I'm busy uh, pinning my suit together. So Paul Laurel is... <laughs> the creative juices are, are flowing and Sasha's committing I to this project am. and it's a joy to watch you and I'm sort of rigging up a new setup for recording. I'm basically inside my wardrobe. So, you know, it's all clothing related this week. And also, welcome listeners to what is Sasha's birthday week. I am all about extending birthday celebrations. And it is Sasha's birthday this week. And we're very excited at the time of recording. It is my birthday week. I am also very, very excited. <laughs> I love my birthday. <laughs> Should be. I won't be singing happy birthday on the podcast. I don't think anyone wants that, especially as I'm quite nasal this week. I apologize even more so than I usually am uh, because I am a little bit sickly but it's not COVID. We've entered this magnificent time when people are getting regular sick again. Is it COVID or is it flu? It could be anything. Um, all right well let's kick into it Laurel. I know you have a great friend making story. Oh my god! I don't know how you're gonna tell it. I don't know how I'm gonna tell it. But I'd like you to try. Go ahead. Basically, Sasha, the weekend after we last recorded, I, so just your average Saturday, I think I just fell into an episode of the 90s sitcom Cheers. Mm, mm. Okay, so what happens in Cheers in case you've never seen it before? Random people coming together at a bar making friends. Or it could be Central Perk, couldn't it? Because it started off in a cafe. Okay, let's rewind. Saturday morning, I've been to the markets, I walk into a cafe, I order my coffee to have in. Um, I'll try and shorten this story, give you the abridged version, but here are the details, folks. And it's very busy, and I say, oh, if, if any room comes up at the communal table, pop me there. Anyway, a space comes up opposite a gentleman, and I am, I am seated opposite him, and I sit down, book in hand, fully intending to continue reading my book, and he extends his hand and introduces himself. And an hour and a half later, I'm sending a voice note to Sasha saying, I don't understand what just happened. I've had the most fun. I've cried laughing. I have talked about the most random stuff. I've had the best time. And then I'd been invited to join said gentleman and his friends at a pub that evening because a couple of them were flying back from the UK. And I did. And we had a great time and played pool and just chatted to them all. And they all had met by there was a random pub that they all used to go to. And they none of them were from Sydney and they'd all just sort of come together through this pub, which is why it felt like an episode of Cheers. Mm, mm. In fact, I think that's what one of them said. 
and then I just felt like I'd fallen into an episode of Cheers. Yeah, and it was just the most surreal, lovely evening, but such a great example of what we bang on about on the podcast, which is Mm -hmm. be open to connection with people. And you just never know what's going to happen. You just you just never know. There are, there are nice people out there, I think is always what I end up saying when we talk about being open to connection. What I loved is that you sent me the voicemail and you just said, this is going to be perfect for the podcast. And so <laughs> I knew it was coming, but I also just thought what I think is so great about that story is like you just have to be ready for those moments because you can't really plan it. I mean, I assume... There's some people in the world who are brilliant at just talking to strangers in strange places. I am not one of those people, but um, I do think you can always be receptive to when one of those brilliant people talks to you. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's what was happening. Um, And I think it also reminded me of, I mean, okay, let's, let's, let's not pussyfoot around this. Probably quite a lot of flirtation was at play in this interaction. And I am not a good flirt. I'm not a flirty person or I don't consider myself to be. But even that aside, in my female friendships, there is an incredible amount of romance and dare I say, kind of flirtation in those really early interactions that you have with a new friend especially when you have that instant click with someone and you just want them to be in your life. (laughs) And that's what happened. But yeah, it was a great experience. So yes, I think just underpinning our consistent message of being open to the people around you, which I was listening back to our previous episode and I thought, my goodness, we're so far from telling children to be aware of strangers, aren't we? Because we're just like basically telling our listeners to be open to everyone. But, you know, obviously have a have a good wise head on your shoulders when you're interacting and be safe. Well, I think that's a fabulous story. And I was very enthusiastic about the fact that you followed through with it and you went and did the crazy night out in the Saturday night. That was great. Yeah, which when I was approaching it, I thought either this is going to be a joke or it's going to be a huge group of people, which I would find really intimidating. But it actually wasn't. And it was just brilliant fun. But what have you been doing, Sasha, to make friends? Um, I think possibly the most interesting is I am deep in sewing Instagram. There's a couple of the influencers, sewing influencers, who I write to when they do really nice outfits. And I'll just write you know, just reply to their comments, just going, love this dress. What amazing fabric. So excited to see what you're going to make. I don't know why I write back to them. They've got thousands of followers, but some of them have started writing back just saying, oh, thank you. And what are you doing? And the other day I thought, oh, that's really nice that they wrote back. And then I went and checked and she's got about 9,000 followers. And I went, oh, I guess that's not a huge amount, but it's like still sizable. And so I realized that I just feel really a part of this community. And I think if I saw, I know that she lives in Melbourne and goes to some of the shops that I do to get my sewing things. And I thought, oh, if I saw her, I think I'd genuinely be a little starstruck. And I thought, what a niche, what a niche aspect of the world to get sucked into. (laughs) And to feel starstruck. by. I thought that was going to end with you actually seeing her on the street. No, I haven't actually seen her yet, but I could recognize her, I'm sure. And also, I just get so much inspiration from them and I just love it. So I would recommend finding a niche aspect of the internet, a niche hobby, candle making, maybe, I don't know, some kind of home DIY and just get 
embrace the influencers who work in that circle. I feel like that's taking, um, that's sort of taking further what you were talking about in our last episode about connecting with people on Facebook Marketplace. And just rather than saying, I'll have this for $40, you're adding on and just having an actual exchange with people. And yeah, you might think they're getting lots of messages from their followers, but they might not actually be getting that many or either way. It's just, it's just nice to connect. But I have felt the same on the world of bookstagram as well. There are some Sydney or Melbourne-based bookstagrammers that I feel genuinely connected to, and I've never met them. Um, But, you know, on on birthdays, you might wish each other happy birthday or something like that. And yeah, it's, it's, it's odd, but wonderful. I think that side of the internet and the other small community, it's not really a small community on Instagram, I don't think, but that I would say is like that is um, the secondhand clothes, like thrifting, um, um, sort of old outfit of the day, hashtag community. Um, And yeah, I think getting into things like that, finding your, finding your hashtag is what we're, what we're promoting. I'm deep in the thrifting and secondhand world at the moment. So I think that's next. Laurel is looking very excited. What what are you going to tell me? I'm going to tee up a friend making for a following episode because I have, and I know she listens to the podcast, so um, I have talked previously about my love of uh, Bell Street Bridal and Vintage Dress Hire in Marrickville in Sydney and lovely Ali who runs the shop. And she and I are going to go out on a little friend date <gasps> in a couple oh. of weeks from now. Oh. So there you go. Watch God, this I space. Well. Maybe you should cut this. <laughs> I know it will. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to start with the one that I know you always have content for, and that's books. What are you reading? Books. Books. I am really loving the book that I'm currently reading, but I always think it's dangerous to recommend a book before you've finished mm, it. So I'm going to hold mm-hmm, off on mm-hmm, that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, the book I'm going to recommend this week is uh, 100 Days by Alice Pung and it is about a teenage girl who gets pregnant living in Australia. She's of Australian Asian descent and she what ensues is this like tug of war between her mother um, who I mean quite literally locks her away at one point in their high-rise housing commission flat and who is going to look after this child and it's, it was described to me, or I heard it on a podcast, as a very claustrophobic novel. And I have to agree wholeheartedly with that description. And there, there were definitely moments when I was reading this and I thought of, sort of went, oh, like things like really made me sort of grimace or flinch. But it was so absorbing. And it's a book club pick for our Better Reader book club at Better Read Than Dead for June. So I'm really looking forward to discussing it. And also it's been long listed for the Miles Franklin Award, which for our international listeners is Australia's sort of foremost fiction award for a novel that I think I was trying to look up before we recorded. um, And I should have written it down more to hand, but basically a novel that clearly depicts Australian life. But I'll double check Mm. that. But also, Miles Franklin was the pen name, Miles Franklin, of Stella Maria Sarah Miles Franklin. Sorry, I did just quickly look that up. And the Stella Awards were created 
as a reaction to the Miles Franklin being so male uh, focused when it was written, when it was obviously started by a female author. Yeah, because the Stella Prize is Australia's like female prize. Both of them are named, well, their namesake is uh, Stella Maria Sarah Miles Franklin. Yeah, who wrote My Brilliant Career, which is like this Australian classic that everyone knows, um, which was featured on uh, Books That Made Us, which was that ABC Ah. documentary that I was raving about at the end of last year. But yes, just to read a little bit about the award as well. So yeah, it's an annual literary prize awarded to a novel which is of the highest literary merit and presents Australian life in any of its phases. And yes, the award was set up according to the will of Miles Franklin, who is best known for writing the Australian classic, My Brilliant Career. Thanks, Wikipedia. Excellent, Wikipedia. Strikes again. And what have you been reading, Sasha? Oh, it's not going to surprise you to say that I have not read much at all because I have been preparing to go on holidays. I've also been moving house. And... um, (laughs) It also just generally seems to be a theme of every week I turn off and I'm like, the dog ate my homework, I didn't read. But (laughs) um, I am very excited to say that I have unpacked my books. So my book moratorium is now not only over, but I now have all my books, which is very, very exciting. So I just thought I'd go through and make a pledge rather to read a couple of things that I haven't yet as yet read. And are there some that are re- you're really looking forward to? There are particular ones that you're you're gearing no, up for. No, they were just at the top of the pile. The ones okay, I'm really gearing up to are the ones that you told me last week, um, or that I told you about last recording. So, first of all, on my holiday, I am definitely going to read um, the Unlikely Voyage of Jack de Crow, which was given to me at Christmas by my mum has been telling me how great it is for quite some time and what an interesting person he is. And so I'm vowing to read that on the remainder of my week off and tell you more about it when I come back. (laughs) I have never heard of this book. I'm feeling very ignorant. Can you tell me anything else about it? So it's about a young Australian man. He's not young anymore. He lives in South Australia, I think. And it's about his adventure when he was in his 20s. And he decided to go over to, he lived in the United Kingdom. And then um, he taught there at one of a, a, a school in the UK. And then I believe he decided before he came back to Australia to buy a boat called the Jack de Crow and sail himself now let me just check yes from the borders of north wales to the black sea so it's 4900 kilometers over salt and fresh water under sail at the oars um and so it's basically his memoir of that time wow but he's apparently quite an australian larrikin like that real a sense of adventure the sense of kind of oh she'll be right mate when she won't be right <laughs> And so my family have all been gradually reading it and laughing and saying it's brilliant. So I think that that's been on the list. And I know also my mum doesn't recommend books lightly. So that's something to look forward to. Family book club. Family book club. <laughs> With the Kellys. With I the love Kellys. That. Um, a couple more that are maybe a bit more serious. Uh, I bought, bought this when I was in the UK and I never actually read it. And it's Reasons to Stay Alive by oh, Matt Haig. Yeah. And I thought I would give a double recommendation in the sense that 
he is also brilliant on Twitter and I find quite a, a thought provoking person and especially on uh, topics of mental illness and depression. Um, he's very thoughtful and just a really interesting thinker. So I, I, have you read this one? I haven't. The only piece of Matt Haig's work that I've read is a one of his fictional books called The Midnight Library. Oh, did you like it? I did enjoy it. I yeah, I enjoyed it. But I know a lot of people who who didn't. Yeah, I I liked it. I liked the idea of it, and it really made me think about these fork moments in my own life, where things could have gone so differently, and instead of feeling sad or regretful or even angry about moments lost or decisions made instead now whenever I walk into a room and I can't remember why why I'm there there's a moment where I think oh it's because I've just popped back into this life and and somewhere else I've popped back somewhere else and Mm. and which yeah it's probably confusing if you've never read or heard of this book but I thought it gave a wonderful take on how you approach the different choices, the significant choices that you make that are at those sort of sliding doors, fork in the road moments. Um, and I and I like that about it. Laurel, um, uh, what have you been watching? Ooh, I, okay. <laughs> I don't have a new TV series because I am one of those people that basically just watches one TV series at a time and I'm still really enjoying the second season of Hacks, which I spoke about last week and actually call back to last episode where we were discussing uh portrayals of um love scenes with older people mm. in them well may I say the latest episode there is quite a I've scene seen. and it was very well done <laughs> have you seen it do you know what I'm talking I think about so Holy. yeah <laughs> yeah I love hacks I love her, but that's not my that's not my recommendation. My recommendation is, yes, a film I've been wanting to see for some time, and I went on Saturday to watch it with uh, my friends Erin and Thea, and it's called Everything oh, Everywhere. Oh, I've heard raves about once. this. Have you been hearing about this? I went on a date on Saturday, and he said it was one of the best movies he's seen lately, and to go see it. It was wild. It was absolutely mad. It was so fun it was so action-packed it was farcical and absurd to a degree that I have not seen in a movie for a really long time oh fantastic um yeah it was it was just really good and I don't think I could even explain it other than there's sort of time travel meets action kung fu meets family drama meets a really sensitive discussion actually of probably mental health and family relationships but mainly underpinned by all of this complete farce and madness which you're just laughing at there was a guy in the row behind us who I think was genuinely having the best time of his entire life (laughs) I love it so I'll just say it's well worth a watch Sasha what have you been watching recently well I well I think because we recorded so recently I went and watched Hacks and then I finished Conversation with Friends and that's kind of all I've had time for. Now you've finished Conversations with Friends, do I need to go and watch it? Yeah, well, I was going to say, I've forgotten how it ended and it made me so angry. And then I Googled whether that's how the book ended because I was so angry that I, A, was that angry and then had forgotten that I was that angry when it happened the first time. Have you ever had one of those moments when I went... 
If that's how the book ended, I would have been furious. And I don't remember being furious. And I don't know whether I can give it away. Can I t- Can we talk about spoilers? Oh, you haven't read it, have you? Yeah, but to be honest, I don't think I'm going to. And I don't even know whether I'm going to get Amazon Prime to watch it. I think because of exactly what I was saying last week where I was like, normal people to me was so perfect. And I know they're two completely different things, but it feels kind of close. I don't know. Okay, so if you don't want Conversations with Friends spoiled, skip forward 30 seconds? A minute? Yeah, I'd say like two, a couple of minutes. Okay. You know, you'll find it out. So essentially at the end, they go through this whole drama and she has this torrid affair with this married man that's at the beginning not obvi- not known by his wife and then it be- she his wife becomes aware of it and consents to the affair uh, happening. Um, Because it's all about the complexities of, um, you know, interpersonal, I guess, interpersonal relationships. And I found it just so frustrating and so annoying when and probably just highly triggering of what I was like slash people that I knew in my 20s. I think that's why it really put me on edge and then they go through this whole thing and she has this big realization that maybe she's not being the best person and maybe her life's a bit of a mess because you know she's sleeping with a married man and she's expecting that relationship like expecting to have straightforward feelings when you know she's sleeping with someone who's emotionally not fully available to her very triggering it's very triggering (laughs) People are going to argue with me about the fact that they are maybe fully available. I would argue that this demonstrates the full complexity of how complicated that is. And then right at the end, she gets over it. And then she he calls her by accident like a butt dial one day and they get talking. And then they start the affair again. And I was so, I was just, I just went, what? <laughs> at the TV and that's and the then end I Googled of it. it. That's the resolution. That's the end. The end of it is that she says, come and get me, um, implying that he's going to leave the house and come in and behind his wife's back and come and um, get her and start the affair again. Oh, Laurel, I can't tell you how angry I was, but you can probably guess. Oh, I can guess. <laughs> Although now I, and now I think about it, normal people and beautiful world where are you are all very open-ended books aren't they really yeah because normal people sorry spoiler for normal people now doesn't (laughs) it end with them deciding to give up on their relationship because he's going to go to new york well does it he they definitely definitely ends with he's going to new york and that's that's the conversation is he's going to go to new york and she's not going and that's that but as with basically every interaction those two characters have throughout that book you don't know. Like, if you return to those characters in 10 years' time, perhaps they got together, or perhaps it was, and I think I usually viewed it as this, perhaps it was this beautiful thing that had happened and then it was done and it was that formative first relationship and and no more. Mm. Well, Laurel, I'm Anyway, gonna, that's not what you were wanting to talk about. I'm going to go back to another um, recommendation of yours, which is a book I've also read called Attached which is maybe a little bit of pop psychology, but it's very good about interpersonal relationships, romantic relationships mainly. And I just spent this whole series at the end saying someone just needs to read (laughs) Attached and deal with their anxious avoidant romantic style because she was so 
frustrating. So frustrating. He was clearly anxious avoidant and she was anxious and they just spiraled each other out. And then they pick up the affair again and I was just, oh, I was so annoyed. I'm going to definitely have to cut this down because I'm just... It's a lot of fiction that would be really spoiled if the characters just went to therapy. Yeah, that's true. Okay, well... That's, I haven't really brought much to the table at all this week, but I have brought a listening. So I'm going to dive straight into my listening and then I'll throw to yours. And my listening is I've been listening to Liar Liar, the podcast about Melissa Caddick. So she claimed to be an investment uh, advisor living in Double Bay in Sydney. And I know in, who she is. Yeah, now you've said where she was living. I know exactly yeah. who you're talking about. And she went missing. Uh, she was raided by ASIC in 2020. And the next day she went missing. Um, and I thought, look, I'd read a lot of headlines and a lot of like one paragraphs about it. Um, but listening to this podcast, look, it's very trashy. It's a little t- tabloidy. It, it's tabloidy in the sense that like it's, repeats a lot of information but I think that's kind of how like those podcasts work best because it takes you a couple of episodes to kind of get the idea of who what's going on and the different facts but I think I didn't realize the scale of her con this is the woman whose body washed up like near Dover Heights or something wasn't it well no it washed up um hundreds of kilometers away and it was just her foot um, oh god. Yeah. Oh god. And so there so were grim, all these yeah. theories about um the fact that she, maybe she's cut her foot off. Um look, the I listened to the episode. There's an episode that came out today that was about the discovery of the remains and they said that it it seems to be most of the people they talked to were very very skeptical that she'd still be alive. Yeah. No. No, 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 no. A lot of her victims theme seemed to think that she would be but it seemed it's an amazing, amazing story, and I can't recommend it enough. It's just fascinating, and it's just the lengths of deception people will go to. I, I just I, I love con. I mean, we've talked about this before. My love of a con woman, and here's another one. Just landed straight on my lap. She loves the con. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's my listening recommendation. Brilliant. What about you? What have you been listening to before I begin? my listening recommendation my opening question to you Sasha is what is your relationship to reality tv oh um are you an addict are you an avid maths viewer no so I won't watch maths and I won't I there's particular shows that I have a real aversion to and I won't watch but then I'll get really sucked into like Selling Sunset or Too Hot to Handle or Love is Blind. So I think I have a, um, a fluctuating relationship with reality TV. Interesting, interesting. I too consider myself someone in probably an unfairly snobbish way. I'm like, oh, I don't watch reality TV. Um, like until two years ago, I had never heard of Married at First Sight, which is what maths stands for for anyone who was like me and didn't know what it was. Um, uh, until I moved here, I don't think I'd heard of it. And, but then I've got friends in the UK who are obsessed with the Australian version of it. But then I've reflected and I'm like, no, I actually watched, I think at least the first five seasons of Big Brother I was really invested in as a sort of tween teenager. Um, 
really into things like Strictly Come Dancing, which I would say is reality TV of some description. Very invested in things like Pop Idol, X Factor when they were first around. Um, So yeah, I'm just lying to myself really. But I don't think I've ever watched a full season of Keeping Up With The Kardashians. Um, I've never done that. Yeah. Yeah. All this to say, (laughs) there is a new podcast series by Pandora Sykes and... Uh, her friend who is an investigative journalist called Shirin Kale and the series is Unreal a critical history of reality TV and it's oh my gosh I need this it's available on BBC Sounds and I started listening to it over the weekend and I'm probably now about six or seven episodes into it and it basically asks the question can we continue to or can we enjoy reality television whilst also questioning the ethics behind it and, um, yeah, the production of it generally. And it takes you from Big Brother, which in the UK really was the first sort of that a real turning point in the year 2000, um, importing this reality TV show from the Netherlands, and no one had ever seen anything like it. And the people that went into it, it really was a social experiment. Um, and something like, I'm going to get it wrong now, but I think it was something ridiculous, like 11 million people voted for the winner of that. It was it was mad. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I probably got that figure wrong. But it was, it was a huge number of people. But the thing is, with these series, is as obviously that went on, by the time that was in its final series, the people who were going in sort of had agents or they they wanted to be influencers and all of that kind of stuff. So it really changed and it didn't really work in its original sense. But yeah, they talk about the birth of Big Brother. They they talk to the, to the um, I think he was the creative director or producer of Big Brother, who incidentally is Daisy Edgar Jones's dad, who plays... What? Yeah. Yeah. This is just such a meta episode. It's just going round and round yeah. in circles. Wow. As in main main character of normal people, Marianne of normal people, her dad, yeah. Wow. Was highly involved, not only in Big Brother, but um, some other crazy reality TV shows. Anyway, so there's the birth of Big Brother. Then there's like the Wild West period mm. of the mid-2000s of reality TV where there were things like um, sleep deprivation, mm. reality TV shows. There were... Um, family reunification of birth parents to adopted children like really nuts crazy things that um were being were being broadcast and then you get as well the creation of pop stars which started in New Zealand then via Australia came to the UK and then via the three Simons we get the creation of pop Mm. idols so Simon Fuller Simon Cowell obviously and I think Simon Johns or Mm. Jones is the third one um, and how that became X Factor. Just madness. And I think some of my favourite, one of my favourite episodes so far was their discussion of the the extreme makeover or the makeover mm. show. So the what was sort of termed at the time as body positivity, you know, Trini and Susanna and the wraparound dress and waist belts, but also them like grabbing women's breasts without asking and things like that and and being really quite self-loathing about parts of their own bodies and that just a really interesting dissection of what were these what were these programs doing and who was really responsible was it the documentarian or Mm. the 
all the documented. And yeah, the latest episode that I'm in listening to at the moment was the creation of Keeping Up With The Kardashians, which as I say, I've never really watched. But did you know that Keeping Up With The Kardashians came from the fact that they were, E was originally planning to do a reality TV show of Lindsay Lohan. And then because she was going through her big party years, they dropped it. And then the producers were like searching around, trying desperately to find another subject. And they came upon Kris Jenner and her Mm. and her family as a result. And then they talk about, yeah, obviously Kim's sex tape and then how the first few seasons they were viewed in a certain way. The strategic way in which they they dated high profile people, particularly obviously her dating and then marrying Kanye West and how that brought her into like the high fashion world. And now, I mean, they are our modern day royal family, aren't they? They are the first family of the United States, really. And they they parody it as they're talking about it, Pandora and Shirin, with like a medieval court. And it's very interesting. Anyway, I've gone on far too long about that. You'll have to cut some of that down. But um, I really, really recommend it. And it's on BBC Sounds. I'm definitely, definitely going to go listen to that because that sounds exactly right up my alley. Because even though I don't watch all reality TV, I love content about TV and I love listening to things about creation of TV. I think it's fascinating. And I think the discussion that they keep coming back to is the fact that most of these TV series are initially critically panned or continue continue to be critically panned while people, viewers, maintain a complete fascination. And I think that's what's interesting, is the public's fascination Mm. with reality TV. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. Well, that's made me very excited to go listen to that. (laughs) But I think we've come to the end of our episode today, Laurel. So... As always, here we are. A quick reminder to go follow us on Instagram. We're at Freewheeling Pod. I will be putting up tiles very soon for this episode. Hopefully, by the time you're listening to it, you will be able to see them. And you can email us threewheelingpod at gmail.com. Yes, you can. Please pass the pod along. Share it on your stories. Share it with a friend who you think might enjoy listening to us. We are small but mighty. But we always welcome more members. And I know the both of us would be thrilled to have new people in our midst. If you're one of them this week, then thank you very much. But until next time, Laurel, I'm going to see you this week. Yay! Yay! All right, until until then. Bye! Bye!